Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Well, hello there, friend. Thank you so much for spending a little time with me today. I really appreciate it. I am so glad to be back with you to chat about one of my favorite topics, creativity. You know, that word has such an interesting set of beliefs that surround it. Um, In general, I have found that people agree that we need creativity and that being creative is a good thing. But there's also a lot of folks who believe that creativity is a nice to have and not a need to have in our society. How many of you have heard that before? Like, oh, it'd be nice to have art every week for our students, but it's not necessary. Or we'd love to have music in our schools, but mm, we got to pay for reading and math curriculum instead. As if the arts... Um, and creative endeavors are somehow less than uh, and it are not going to lead to success in the 21st century marketplace, which we have a lot of data that tells us contrary to that. And we're going to dig into that a little bit today. Still others uh, think that creativity is something that you're born with and that if you don't have it, you just aren't creative. Think about those folks who are like, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure. I'm not creative. So I can't uh, possibly use arts integration or steam or whatever because I'm just not creative. Uh, So again, lots of differing opinions here on what the importance of creativity is. And still, even beyond that, others consider creativity to be something that's relegated to just the arts folks, right? As if it lives in a totally different space and that nobody else has claim to creativity other than artists and musicians and um, anybody who is in the creative space. So in this episode, We're going to dive into each of these belief systems and consider how creativity impacts us all. So get comfortable, grab your cup of caffeine, and let's dig in. All right, so let's start with the idea of the need for creativity, right? Creativity isn't something that's nice to have. Let's just put that out there, right? It is essential to human life and to continued existence. You know, um... I often tell the idea or talk about the idea that we were painting on caves and making music before we learned how to regularly feed ourselves, right? Before we figured out how to plant and um, harvest and go into that cycle, we, we were creating before we even learned how to sustain our physical being. So um, creativity isn't just something that's nice to have that we tack on. It is essential to our existence, but beyond that, it's it's more than just essential to human life. It is essential for our continued existence, for us to continue to be here and evolve and enjoy and expand in this physical space, right? Um, there is, in around 2014, I was giving a professional development down in Florida, 
and I was in an auditorium with a lot of teachers, but it was kind of like the opening ceremony of this PD day. And I was lucky enough to be able to sit there because they had a, uh, a member from the team of NASA, you know, of course, being so close to the Kennedy Space Center, uh, they had access to a lot of folks from NASA, and they had been building this partnership. This particular district in Florida had been building a partnership with NASA, um, specifically around the idea of STEAM. And I was listening to this official from NASA who was saying that, you know, we are going to Mars. There is no doubt. And so we our goal is 2025, which if you're keeping track, it's pretty close, folks. <laughs> um, but he said, regardless of whether or not we meet that date, um, everybody in, in the team, everybody in NASA knows we're going to Mars. And the trouble is that when you're going to Mars <laughs> and you have people, human beings who are that far away from Earth and we cannot help you. Um, when you get beyond a certain distance because radio communications, you know, conk out and there's just, there's so much that is unknown. You have to have people who are creative because something's going to go wrong and they need to be able to think outside of the box. They need to be able to pull upon all of their creative resources in order to solve problems and think critically and to work together and collaborate all of those things that creativity allows us to do and helps us to build, right, as skills. And so they were really interested, and they still are. NASA has a great uh, initiative of working with schools that to help develop artistic programs, creative programs, STEAM, um, in order to have a potential pool of astronauts and of engineers and of just a, a wide variety of folks working in that realm who have experience in creativity. Because what this official was saying during that, um, that particular presentation was that they're running into an issue that we have tested our kids to the point where they can't think for themselves beyond what the right answer is. And that's okay until you get into a scenario like, you know, being so many miles away from earth, you have no contact and you have to figure out something and there's not a correct answer on a bubble sheet. So again, we know that creativity is not just nice to have, right? We ha it's a must. It is a must have, which means we need to invest in it, right? The instructor and author Stephen Muma defines creativity as problem solving with relevance and novelty, right? Two sides of this coin. It has to be relevant and novel, something that's interesting, right? That's it's new. If it's just novel, but it has no relevance to anything that is actually going to impact folks, right? That's not creative. That's just a novelty item, right? That's like the, the traveling salesman who goes around delivering those, those uh, bobblehead dolls. There's, there's no purpose behind that. That's a novelty item. If it's, if it's relevant, but there's nothing new about it, Right. That's not creative either. And that's more of where we think of when we think of creative, that if it's if it's not new, if it's not anything that we haven't heard before, it's not going to uh, kind of move people towards that idea of of investing in it and exploring it with more detail. So creativity is problem solving with relevance 
and novelty, right? It also, the other key piece there, it has to solve a problem. It has to uh, change the way that we think in some way or move us in a direction of changing something integral to what had already been happening, okay? So according to that definition, uh, a software architect, a plumber, or a scientist, they could all be creative, which encompasses us all. So there goes the argument that I'm just not creative, yeah, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. And I, and I can't tell you as, as an arts integration specialist, that's the first thing that I hear from classroom teachers when I introduce the approach of arts integration. It's I'm not creative. I can't teach that. Yes, you can. Everybody is creative, right? It's an access point. You have a creative access point. We just got to find it, right? Now, another idea here is that in 2019 and 2020, employers rated creativity as the top skill that they're looking for in applicants, which goes harkens right back to that story that I told from 2014 with that official from NASA, right? That it's still something that is the top of mind for employers. And I really think the damage that we have done in a testing culture, we can undo, but we have to flip the script. We have to invest in creativity if we're going to unravel the damage that a testing culture has done on our students, right? So we need to make sure that we're kind of working in that creative space within our curriculum, because nobody is going to be able to do this without also uh, working through their curriculum. So we're going to talk about in just a little bit, hold yourself, (laughs) but we're going to talk about strategic ways to do that, because it's not just about the idea that we need more creativity. I want you to walk away with things that you can actually start to use now so that we can be embedding these skills with students. Um, And then again, the idea that creativity encompasses behaviors, actions, and interpretations of how we relate to and experience the world, okay? When we talk about the need for creativity, it's it feels like it's this, um, this thing that's hard to define, but it's actually a habit. Creativity is a habit, and it's one that we can exercise again and again. It's not a soft skill. So we got to stop thinking about creativity as a nice to have and start remembering that creativity is essential. So I want to talk about this idea that creativity um, is not a soft skill because I'm a believer in that 100% and it irritates me, my friends, <laughs> when I hear somebody say creativity is a soft skill um, that be, that will address at some point, right? As if, again, it's a fuzzy, it's, an, it's a warm fuzzy that just kind of envelops us. So I always think about, okay, is creativity really a soft skill? So let's, let's define a soft skill, right? What is it? So according to the South Dakota Department of Education, soft skills are character skills and personality traits that reflect how you work in general with others and by yourself. Okay, that's a lot, right? Soft skills are often referred to as essential skills, interpersonal skills, and non-cognitive skills. So although there are several soft skills, typical examples would be communication, teamwork, 
problem solving and adaptability. All right, let's pause for a moment and just the, um, let's talk about the, the word choice here. Um, I don't know whoever came up with this idea of soft skills versus hard skills, but that's a terrible use of, of language, right? Because it gives the impression that hard skills are the ones that we want to achieve, right? These are the ones that are difficult to master. They're the ones that are going to put us on top. They're like, you know, all brawn, right? And soft skills are these things that just soften the edges. And if we really think about this, it feels like hard skills have this masculine energy around it and soft skills are more of a feminine energy, right? Because think about this, soft skills being interpersonal, teamwork, communication, right? It feels like it's got a more feminine energy around it as if, again, that is something that we, um, it would be nice to have, right? And so that's complete BS. Let's just put that out there. Both of those terms are BS. So what we really want to do is reframe these two comparisons between hard skills and soft skills into two different types of essential skills because you have to have both. How many times have you come across somebody who in their email communication or in their one-to-one kind of interaction with you, you're like, man, that person was just terrible at relating with me. I, I have, I really don't like them. It's off-putting, right? Um, we get emails sometimes from folks who just have no clue that they're coming across in such a poor way. Obviously, those folks do not have the essential um, interpersonal skills that come along with quote-unquote soft skill set, right? They haven't been trained in that. And so think of how many times that's going to cost that person a job or a deal that they're working on in their business, right? Or how many times that's going to cause conflict with a parent or an administrator or a, a colleague, right? Soft skills aren't something that's nice to have, folks. It's essential in order for us to relate and continue to work with each other, right? So... I don't love the terms hard and soft skills. That's my rant for today. But given that that's the vernacular, we're going to use it. The idea that soft skills are um, things that are more interpersonal, non-cognitive, difficult to measure, essentially. That's what we're talking about. Um, It's difficult to put a quantifiable number on that. Hard skills are defined as teachable and measurable abilities, such as writing, reading, math, or the ability to use computer programs. And folks, when we talk about testing, it is no coincidence that we test hard skills and not soft skills, right? Because hard skills are measurable. So let's think about these two definitions in total. Soft skills are traits that are difficult to measure and hard skills are those that are teachable and measurable. So if that's the case, I stand 100% by my assertion that creativity is not a soft skill because creativity can be measured, right? You aren't just born with creativity. Are there folks who have who have a stronger sense and ability to connect with their creative sense? Absolutely, yes. But you can learn creative skills and practice creative habits over time. 
And creativity can be measurable, but it may not be with quantifiable numbers. There are lots of people who have developed or are working on creative scales, which can be used as an effective measurement tool. In fact, um, I've interviewed some of them, we'll link to them in our show notes, who have developed these 21st century scales of measuring these continuums of creativity. And it's fascinating. A musician can master the skill of playing scales. An artist can master how to add texture to a painting. These are building block skills which can be measured and evaluated, as can the way that students use exploration, connection, experimentation, and reflection throughout their learning process or project. So if we're talking about hard skills, soft skills, and the difference, um, creativity is not just a trait. It is also teachable and measurable. So I'm a believer that creativity is and both. It is both and it is hard skills and soft skills. It's not either or. So we gotta stop saying that creativity is a soft skill because that puts it on the back burner as if it is not essential. And it totally is. So how well students set a goal and then use the four processes of explore, connect, experiment, and reflect can help teachers foster creative skill development, right? When we're looking at how do we, okay, we know that these are now measurable skills, things that we can start to work on and practice and build as habits, right? We as educators can foster that skill development because these measurements guide students towards developing and sharing their self-expression with the world. So suddenly this is not fuzzy. They can, they can understand I'm working through a process here and I'm doing it on purpose. So the tricky component with creativity is this idea of and both rather than either or, right? We so wanna put things in boxes, my friends. Why do we do that? That's just an interesting question that sometimes I think about. Why do we have to do that? Why can we not live in the tension of and both? Because creativity is both a skill and a mindset, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. I always say that creativity is the fingerprint of the human spirit. It is both a process and a product. So how do we foster creativity in ourselves and in others? So here's that that tactical piece that we were talking about a little while ago. Remember I told you, I want you to walk away from this, not just as a conversation, but with with things that you can actually implement right now. There's a lot of informal arts activities that teachers can use to develop these creative processes with their students. So to begin, I highly recommend the following three exercises that we're gonna talk about. Um, Also, I have links to these in our show notes, so definitely head over to the site and go to the Spark Chasers um, page and you'll find those. So the cover story game, right? This helps students to develop imagination and communication. In this game, Students envision an ideal situation so fantastic that it lands them on the cover of a magazine. 
So they're going to imagine themselves maybe as the first person, the first astronaut to step foot on Mars. Whatever it is that they um, want to do, you're not going to tell them what that is, right? You're going to ask them, what is the, if you could do anything in the world, if you could have one accomplishment or achievement or something that you're doing, some action that gets celebrated, what would that be? Or who would you be, right? That might be another question that, that can foster some of this imaginative thinking. And students are going to select whatever it is that, that, um, that resonates for them. And that then becomes their cover story. So then they have to think about, if I'm on the cover of Time Magazine as the person of the year this year, what is that cover going to say about me? What are the headlines? What's the headline going to be? What's the sub headline going to be? What are the bullet points that they're going to want to have um, people be interested in hearing more about? And then you have students design that cover story. So this is a fantastic exercise um, for a variety of reasons. One, you can use it as a social emotional learning tool in order to get to know your students or for them to be able to to both be creative in where they want to go and also consider who they want to be. The toughest questions for humans to answer is what do you want? Um, and, and think about that for a minute. If I have you pause, I mean, come on back to me if you're multitasking and really consider this question. What do you want? It may, it's difficult to answer. It's so hard because we think about all the things that we want. And then we think about, is that really what I really want? Or is there something else there? You know, and prime example, right? I want a million dollars, but do I really want a million dollars? Or is it that I want the security that comes with that and the reassurance that I'll be okay long-term, right? So again, difficult question. This cover story helps students work through that. They may not get to what it is that they really want or who they think they are, but it allows them the process to get it down on paper. So you can use it as a social emotional learning tool. You can also use this if you are connecting, for example, with a novel study or if you're working on informational text and you want to connect and have that student connect with the person that you're studying or the character that they're looking at and think about, okay, if you were now on this cover and you were this person, what are these things that we would have on there? It's so incredibly flexible, but it fosters so much imagination. Another great exercise to try is visual thinking strategies like the I notice cube technique. And again, I'm going to link this in the show notes. So if you if you need a step by step, we'll have that for you there. Now, um, these kinds of visual thinking strategies encourage critical and creative thinking by asking students to pick an art form, evaluate it and share their observations. This uh, I notice cube strategy is extremely flexible and it can be used in any art form or content area. So I'm going to real quick describe it. But again, I think you're you're going to probably want to go get that step by step guide over in the show notes. So the I notice cubed technique works this way. You give students a prompt, a visual prompt, an audio prompt, um, a, a dance prompt. It doesn't really matter. Again, you can use any art form. And you have students observe it carefully. Give them 30 seconds to a minute. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but you want them to observe carefully and select three things that they notice um, and they want to highlight. 
and have them, uh, when I show a piece of uh, artwork and use that as a prompt, I have students actually get up out of the chair and look and get up and get close to the print that I'm using so that they can see everything both up close and far away in order to se select their three items. Now the three items don't really matter, but for them, it gives them something to look for, right? It grounds them. The second step is to select one student to describe one of their three things. Okay. And they only use, they only say what it is. Like, for example, if I'm using a print, they might say, I see a monkey. That was, and that's the only thing they're going to say. They're not going to say, I see a big monkey on the left side of the screen. That's kind of standing on the guy's shoulder. Mm -mm. You want one simple observation. I see a monkey. Then that person is going to select another person in the group to expand on what they noticed. So if that first person noticed a monkey, the second person can't talk about one of their three items. Maybe one of their three was not the monkey, it doesn't matter. They have to expand on the monkey. So they might say, the monkey is standing up, right? Then they select one more person who has to, to notice one more thing about that original item. So they might notice that the there's a monkey who's standing up and eating an apple. Um, that might be their thing. Or if there's nothing else to say about the monkey, they have to then imagine something. So it could be, I see a monkey standing up and he's considering grabbing the apple from the man next to him. Okay. So again, it encourages and fosters imaginative thinking. After that third round, that third person picks a new person and they start it all again. So they can select a different item that they selected from their original three. So this allows students to dig really deep. It's a simple strategy. And I will tell you the things that come from students as you allow them to think more critically and give them the time to do so is incredible. Now, I noticed Cubed is just one of a lot of different kind of visual thinking strategies. So you'll definitely want to investigate those. But at the heart of visual thinking strategies is that it's, um, it's simple and it encourages observation, reflection, imagination, critical thinking. And then the third idea, the third exercise that I would recommend um, for people who just want to start cultivating those creative habits and skills is a drama strategy such as yes and. Now this is used a lot in improv um, where you're given a, um, a topic and so and your people have to respond as you continue and talk about it. And the response has to begin with yes and. So for example, if I start and I say, uh, today is sunny, the person next to me has to say yes, and it's still a little chilly outside. And then the next person might have to say yes, and they're calling for rain tomorrow. So it continues and continues and continues. Again, this fosters imagination, improvisation, thinking on your feet, being able to be flexible and adaptable based on what you've heard. You have to listen in an exercise like that. And again, it's really simple. You can do this in a Zoom room as a warm up. You can do it um, as a way to consider uh, alternative endings to stories. You can look at it as ways to solve a math problem. There are so many applications for each of these three exercises, but what's incredible about all of them is that it's fostering the habit and skill of creativity. It's allowing us to get beyond that bubble, those bubble tests, 
and think outside of that box, right? The creative process helps make us whole and it gives us the ability to share our unique skills and talents with the world. So no, creativity is not just a soft skill and it's not just a hard skill either. It is a must-have mindset for the 21st century. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions about this topic. Do remember that there is a question box on the podcast page on the show notes where you can ask me anything. And I love it. It's a fun little tool because when you click on it, you can ask it either as a video, an audio, or a text, whatever you're most comfortable with. So just head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers and you'll find today's show notes contact area, and links for many of the resources that I talked about in this episode. And if you're enjoying the show and know somebody who could benefit from our discussions, please invite them to come on and listen to the podcast with us because together we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everybody. I'll see you soon. Well, check that off your list, my friend. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.